So in Matthew 28, in verses 1 through 9, we see the, <clears throat> the amazing story of how um, that you can't contain God. You cannot kill love. You cannot kill Jesus Christ. You cannot kill the move of God. And it continues here. Uh, they became like dead men. They actually passed out or they fainted. They were actually lifeless because of the amount of fear of can you imagine um, SEAL Team 6 seeing this angel and then falling on the ground? These guys that were responsible for some incredible missions in the Middle East. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Be not afraid. Be not afraid. <clears throat> because I think that those two women were tempted to be very fearful of what was happening. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here <clears throat> he is risen, <clears throat> as he said. And in this passage of scripture, we're going to notice six times it being said, as he said, go tell, it will be as he said. Six times we see in these verses it being mentioned that something was said or something needs to be said. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And quickly go, tell his disciples that he, and that's number two, tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you to Galilee. Jesus is going to meet them in Galilee after a period of time, and that's Acts chapter 2. That he's going to go and meet you in Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. That's number three. I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb. Mary and Mary left with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. What's that? Number four, right? And as they went to tell his disciples, number five, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Can you imagine the joy, as we saw in the video, the shock, the wonder that their beloved rabbi, their beloved teacher, their beloved savior, their beloved friend has not, is not dead. It's like, it's like an incredible, it's like the best ending of any movie. The hero dies. He's, he is, and the best that Hollywood could do is just portray a tragic event, and then yet at the end, he really didn't die because he woke up or he was just injured a little bit and that he didn't really die. Jesus was killed. Jesus died. And here they see him rise from the dead, and they hold to his feet, and then Jesus says, Rejoice. And they worshipped him. And then what does Jesus say? Do not be afraid. Go tell my brethren, number six, tell my brethren to go to Galilee and they will, they will see me. The message I have this morning is just very simple. <clears throat> and I don't want to speak long. Um, and I want to just make one point just very clear to you uh, this morning. <clears throat> that when God says something, he finishes it. He completes it. There are many unfinished things in the world today, aren't there? People go to their deathbed, and they have a sense that something was not finished. They were not able to complete something. Maybe someone begins a great building project to build a great uh, entertainment some, uh, some, um, center somewhere. But because of finances, they are not able to complete it. You see in Eastern Europe sometimes, during the time when communism fell and uh, the, pro the building projects that began, that these skyscrapers that go up and they are just skeletons and they're not finished. 
and it's too expensive to bring them down, so they just stand there. A monument of an unfinished work. Sometimes a mother or a father or a individual can feel that they are not completing what they set out to do in their marriage or in their as a parent. And I think all of us could look at ourselves and say, there is something that I haven't finished in my life. And when we live in that sense of something being unfinished that creates a drive, it creates a compulsion, it creates religious guilt. You know, sometimes around the holidays, we can sense this religious guilt. You know, people sometimes will come to church because they sense, I have to come to church. This is a holiday. This is Christmas or Easter. And sometimes that can be a motivation of guilt. And sometimes it could just be because people love God. This sense of something being unfinished in our life, maybe you have a family member or someone that you love, that you look at their life and you say, wow, it's it's not finished. It's it's not finished. I don't know how to finish this. And it seems like for the... And maybe the last 20 years you're looking at the situation thinking, or maybe something happened recently where you're thinking, you know what, this is... It's in a frozen state of not being completed, and I have no idea how this is going to be completed. Sometimes a person can look at their life and their experience over a period of time and say and see that something that they're struggling with is something that is in, in an unfinished state. When Jesus, when Jesus came and rose from the dead, the message of the cross was in John chapter 19, it is finished. It is finished. And when Jesus said, it is finished, it was a very, very important word. Uh, to finish something means in the Bible here is a Greek word. It's teleos or telos. And there's depends on what context it's used, but it's generally spelled T-E-L-E-O. Now you know a Greek word, teleo. And what it means is, it means to complete something. It means like to start a project, to build a house, and then to complete it. <coughs> complete it in a way that people can move in. This is a word that is used in the Greek Old Testament when Moses finished the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 40. And there at the end of the chapter, and it's the beautiful verses. And what it says is, is that as Moses finished the tabernacle, as God had told him to, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses finished what God had given him to do. And this is a sign of what Jesus Christ was going to do for you and I. God has not called you and I to build a tabernacle because Jesus has already done that. He finished the work. And when the, finished, when the work was finished with Moses, the glory of God could fill the temple. And it says in Exodus chapter 34, at the end of the chapter, everybody had to leave the temple because the glory of God was in there. No one could go in. They just couldn't go in. And I think that when the glory of God fills something, fills a church service, fills a person's life, fills a person's prayer life, fills a person's loneliness. When the glory of God fills a person's pain or when the glory of God fills something, it happens through that, like we heard, the crucifixion. There are things that we sometimes talk to God about, and God has no idea what we're talking about. We're like worried about things that we did in the past or what somebody else did in the past. And we're like, God, this is, you know, what do I do? This is, this happened, this this person did this, or I did this, and God's like, I, you are speaking another language. I have no idea what you're talking about, and we could say, well, why? I mean, you know, do, don't you understand English? And God would say, I crucified that 2,000 years ago. 
that was crucified. And I think a lot of counseling sessions that go on in the world and this psychological movement that's coming into Christianity is so vain because we're talking about something that God has dealt with years and years and years and years ago. Look at it this way. Imagine having a huge debt, something that you could never, ever pay. Think of a number of a, of a debt that you could never pay. And then someone that you don't even know loves you, comes in picture, pays the debt, and says, you owe me nothing, just love me, just, just love me. And I don't expect anything from you, just, just respond to my plan in your life. And we're, we're at the state of, of free, and then maybe like 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, an old debtor comes up to you and says, look, you know, you owe me this money. How ridiculous of a conversation that would be. It would be like, sir, you have no idea, this is paid, here's the receipt right here. This has been paid for. They said, but you didn't pay for it. Well, I could not pay for it. Somebody else paid for it. That's what happens many times with Christians is that we argue with God about things in our life that God has already paid for because it's finished. The work of God is finished. Let's look at John chapter 13. You don't have to turn there, but I want to look at this. Another beautiful example of how God's process in our life is a process where he's faithful to finish that which he has started. You know, some of you are new in the church, and God has begun some things in your life. And sometimes we can look at the process of God and we say, God, how long is this going to take? How long is this going to take for this to work out? We can look at this verse in chapter 13, verse 1. Now, when the feast of the Passover, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, Listen to this, having loved his own who were in the world, listen to this, he loved them to the, what? What's the word there? He loved them to the end. Guess what word that is in the Greek? Tell us. It means God, that Jesus loved them to what? To when they, until they failed? And then said, forget you guys, you a bunch of losers. No, Jesus loved them to the point where God, where Jesus completed the work in their lives. That the, the work of God did not stop until God completed it in their lives. Why? The love of God will always bring us to that place of completion. This is what Easter is all about. Yes, he rose from the dead. The tomb is empty. Hallelujah. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. But what does it mean practically? It means that he finished what he started to do. We read this. In John chapter 4, verses about, I think, 34, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I came to finish the work that my Father gave me to do. Sometimes we as Christians think, well, God saved me, now I owe God a lot. You know, Sometimes that religious guilt, guilt can come in and say, you know what, it's that certain time of year and i got to do these things and I owe this to people to do this. Do you know what? The work is finished. And the Bible says, we owe no man nothing but to what? Love them. And this is a thing that can be so easily missed in Christianity. We begin to start thinking that, that the work in my life is not done. I am insufficient. And we begin to think about things that God has already dealt with 2,000 years ago. The work is finished. If we continue, if we look at uh, Philippians chapter 1, and this is the verse that God gave me in a prayer meeting two weeks ago. And he just said, preach on this verse for Easter Sunday. Philippians chapter 1. 
And I want to read this in his verse 6. Listen to these words. And I want you to take this verse home, write it down, and put it somewhere where you can see it, on your mirror or somewhere on your fridge. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will what? Complete it until what? The day of Jesus Christ. That's amazing, isn't it? We can be confident that God is going to continue. He's going to complete the work in somebody else. Maybe we're looking at someone else's life and we're just like, whoa, I just cannot deal with this. So what is this? What is going on at work or in this situation? Or you could look at your own life like, like I have no confidence that this is ever going to work out in my life. No confidence that this is going to ever, I'm going to ever get victory over this. I have no confidence. I think we've all been there. We've gotten discouraged. But the Bible says here, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work, and that's, that's great because God has begun the good work. This is very important to remember that what God has begun in your life is a great work. It's a great thing what God's doing in your life. You, you and I may fail. We may stumble. We may at times be in unbelief. We may be in unbelief 23 hours a day and then one hour maybe trust God for something. But God has begun a good work in you and he will be what? It says here what? Faithful, right? He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Meaning that he is going, and that Greek word is also in that verse right there. That he's going to bring it to a finished product. And the, and the, the, the truth is, is that before you and I breathe our last breath, God will have his way in our life. And maybe somebody else's life. And you know, sometimes <clears throat> maybe you're trusting God for yourself, but... Maybe you're not seeing what God is doing in somebody else's life. we got to look at other people and say, you know what? There's a good work going on in their life. God is doing something in their life. I don't see it yet, but God is doing Why? Because I'm confident in this. Confident in who? You? No, God. I'm confident that God is doing a good work. I want to wrap it up with this, that there are times when people have this sense that they are unfinished. We all feel this way. We want to go back into the past. We want to pull up things about ourselves, about other people. We want to think about things. And you know something? We got to look at the Word. Not the gospel of Oprah. Not the gospel of Facebook. Not the gospel of social media. Not who is saying what on TV. It doesn't, because if, it, if, it's not, if it's not counsel and if it's not from the mind of God, from the Word, then it's just going to die with that person. You know, when uh, I know people do good things, but a person that, when a person does not derive their counsel from the word, then it's just going to be a person's opinion that may sound stimulating, but it's going to come to an end. Because people pass away, but the word of God never passes away. And that's why when we have this sense of something being unfinished in our life, we need to go to the word and derive our thinking from what does God say about it. And why do I say that about the gospel of Oprah and the gospel of Facebook? Because I think sometimes we go to uh, what people are saying, what our friends are saying, what, what our support group is saying, and we're not really going to God to hear what God is saying. And we have to be careful with that. You know, we have a Sunday school here, and our mission is to uh, uh, invest in kids and young people with God's mind about how to grow up and about God's mind about other people. You know, sometimes we face things 
we see our kids or our grandkids go through things, it's very painful. And it kind of reminds us a little bit of what we went through. And we have to be careful as parents, as grandparents, or as, you know, whatever relationship we are with other people, that when we talk to people that we're giving them God's mind. What is God's mind? That Jesus, he was rejected, he was mocked, he was not, he was not valued, uh, and he gave everything, yet he was betrayed. And what did he do? He did that because of the love of God. And what did God do? He rose him from the dead. Sometimes people say, well, if you and I do not fight our way to the top in this rat race of a life, then we're going to be trampled down by other people. Well, that may be the natural way of thinking here. That may be the way Darwin talked about the survival of the finish with the survival of the fittest. But in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work that way. And the kingdom of God is, is that when we trust God, then God takes care of things and he finishes the work. I want to close with this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. You know, God will complete what he started in your life. And I don't want you to get discouraged about what's happening in your life. I don't want you to get discouraged about what's happening with your kids or with your job or with your career or about with your health. Don't get discouraged. You know why? In Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that, and I'm going to read this to you as we close. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, that, and just remember this verse next time you feel that you're incomplete. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. And you are complete <clears throat> in him who is the head of all principality and power. You're complete in him. And just like, just like Christ crucified Adam when he died, he also completed us in him. We are complete today, not because of what we've done but we are complete by the amazing work of Jesus Christ. Our sins have been paid for. I love these verses in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. It says, O death, where is your sting? What's the sting of death? <clears throat> the sting of death, if, you, if you've ever buried a loved one, is that stinging pain that you feel when you're leaving the graveside and you're thinking... How could this be? And I think that many of us have felt that you're, you're at the graveside and you're looking at the scene and you're thinking, how could this be? And it's such a stinging pain. But the Bible says, where is your sting now? Because Jesus rose from the dead. He was the first man to ever do so. He overcame death. And then the second thing that's written there in verse 55 is, O grave, where is your victory? And I want to say today that... There are many amazing people that have had a lot of money in the world and have done a lot of great things for society. <clears throat> but when they died, it died with them. And in some cases, it, it was unfinished. But when Jesus died, his work was not finished. I mean, it was finished, but it was not, un, it was not unfinished. He rose from the dead and it, he completed the work. And today, when we look at Jesus Christ, and that's why we have in our church an empty cross, not a cross with Jesus hanging on it. Our cross is... Uh, I wanted to, it doesn't matter really how you have the cross, but the, w the way we have our cross in our church is that it's empty because Jesus is not still hanging there. He's not in a place of, of great um, defeat and great, and great pain. He is rejoicing at the right hand of the Father. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, that 
if we sin, we have an advocate in the heaven that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. We have an advocate today that rose again. We have a man, we have a, a person, Jesus Christ, who was a man in flesh and blood like you and I at the right hand of the Father. It's like going to a scary governmental office of some kind and you don't know anybody there and you don't know how you're going to get this done, this thing that you've got to get done. You go in there and you say, I know somebody in there. It's a great feeling to be able to just walk right into their office, right? So you know what? I know somebody here. How are we going to do this? Don't worry. I know somebody in there. i got a relative that works in there. And you just walk right by security. You're walking up the stairs. You're going into these uh, you know, employee-only sections. You're going right into this back office. The secretary can't stop. You walk right in because you know somebody. And that's the way it is with heaven today, that we have a resurrected Savior in heaven that we know and we can go right to him in prayer and in faith because it is finished. And we never have to worry about something not finished in our life. We put on the righteousness of Christ and say, you know what? Maybe not everything is perfect in my life, but there's a process. And I'm growing by grace in faith through Jesus Christ. And, and God's love is never going to end. He's going to finish the work that he began because he loves us. Amen. Amen. And let's close in prayer. Father, we...